You're listening to the Meeting Midway Podcast, a podcast of Midway United Methodist Church in Alpharetta, Georgia, featuring Pastor Jenny Andoni and Pastor Amanda Lane. Over the course of the podcast, we'll hear how the church relates to the real-world issues that matter to you and how God loves us all. Now, let's meet Midway.
Receive our minds. Receive all that we are, Lord. Here we are. We want to put everything before you and ask your presence to come even more to this place. Come into our hearts in a way that we can sing the next song, Lord. Saying, my heart is an open space for you to come and have your way. Lord, wherever you find space, come and move and change and say what you want to say. We're here for you, Lord. Worship his name.
and she is going to introduce to you the youth we have that are graduating. Good morning. Uh, it's my honor to invite our graduates up here this morning so that we can recognize them and they can share our plans with us. So come on up. Don't be shy. <laughs> and I'm going to actually let her introduce herself and share what her plans are for after high school. Hi, my name is Nidhi Yannison, and I've been going to Midway for about six years now. And I'm a senior at Denmark High School, and I'm actually graduating tomorrow. And <laughs> Do you guys know what hospitality means? No. 
<laughs> Hospitality means Do what? Yeah, you're really good at preparing to be friendly and generous and offering like your house or wherever you are, you can set it up and people go, oh my goodness, I feel like I am loved and I feel so welcomed here. When you arrive at church, do you feel welcomed? Yes. Yeah, you see friends, you see other people, your church family, and, you, and they say, oh, Jameson, we're so excited that you're here today. Oh, and it's so good to see you today. Thanks for coming. Right? They, they're excited to see you. Well, that is one way to be hospitable, Henry. Thank you. Um, being a welcoming person is one way that we can be hospitable, with them, but so that we can also show people Jesus. Have you thought of that? If you offer someone a glass of water when they're thirsty, maybe that will help them see Jesus. If you welcome them into your house when they're lonely or when they need to be with other people, maybe that will help them see Jesus. So I hope this week um, you will think about ways that you can show people Jesus. Show them and tell them. Will you pray with me? God. Please repeat after me. God, God we, love you. we love you. Thank you for Jesus. Help us to tell others and to show others about Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys. You guys can go back to mom or dad or the grown-ups or you can go to Children's Church with Miss Tiffany. As our children head back, I want to invite you now, uh, we're going to enter into a time of prayer. Um, just a quick note, um, Reverend Marita Harrell uh, was killed this past week. She is a member of the North Georgia uh, Conference. She's clergy here in the conference. Um, we want to ask you to pray for her husband, for her two children, and for the churches that were affected by her ministry. Uh, keep her and her family in your prayers. As we pray, um, we'll have—excuse me—we'll have a moment of quiet reflection, in which, if you would like to, you can come and you can pray at the altar. Then um, I'll lead us in the pastoral prayer, and then the Lord's prayer. We'll join together in one voice. Let's go to God in prayer. Jesus himself. 
Almighty God, we come before you today, and we ask that you would be with those who are hurting, who are hurting physically, spiritually, mentally, and be with them and comfort them. God, we also ask that those who are suffering, Lord, that you would relieve their suffering. God, we also pray for those who have lost loved ones. God, we pray for those who are healing from surgeries or illnesses. Lord, we pray for those who are in the midst of their illnesses. God, so many times we find ourselves in these dark places, wondering, wondering how we will get out of them, wondering what is next. God, I pray that you would use us. Use us to be a light in the darkness. Allow us, Lord, to show people Jesus. We pray all of these things in your name. And we now join together and pray the prayer that your son, Jesus Christ, taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. We continue this morning with our series, <clears throat> We Are Witnesses, uh, from the book of Acts, and our scripture lesson this morning comes to us from Acts chapter 16, beginning with the ninth verse. Here now God's word to us this day. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia in a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I love traveling, especially with my husband, not only because I enjoy his company, but because he's a great travel agent. <laughs> you know, once we select the dates and our destination, he gets to work. He purchases the airline tickets, he rents the car, he makes the hotel reservations. All I have to do is show up with my, my suitcase and my ID, and it's so wonderful not being in charge. <laughs> of course, no matter how well one plans, the rule of thumb when it comes to traveling is flexibility. Chances are everything is not going to go according to plan. 
traffic could cause delays of flight could be canceled, and God forbid someone should be quarantined in a foreign country. In March of 2020, Herson and I were leading a group from Midway and Hillside to the Holy Land as the pandemic began moving across the globe. Every day, our tour guide changed the itinerary uh, on the fly, trying to get us to as many sites as possible before the government shut them down. Well, as the days passed, there were less and less tourists in Jerusalem because they are no longer allowing tour groups into the country. And this resulted in an amazing worship experience for us in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre on a Sunday morning. Because our altar itinerary brought us there early in the morning. Usually it would be packed to the gills. But we found ourselves standing in the middle of the church's center, blessed by the rare experience of having an unfettered view into the various chapels that faced the sepulcher where Jesus' body was laid. As the music and the liturgy and the various languages and cultures enveloped us, God's presence in that place was palpable. But it occurs to me that we would not have had that experience if we had not trusted our tour guide and followed his lead in changing plans. Paul and his companions set out off from Jerusalem on a second missionary journey, bolstered by the blessing of the leaders of the church in Jerusalem to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. They set their sights first on an area that comprises modern-day Turkey, revisiting towns where the gospel had already been delivered and churches founded. When they reached the city of Antioch, they had planned to push into new territory into Asia. Instead, the Holy Spirit changes their itinerary, putting roadblocks in their path. First, the Spirit, without explanation, forbids them to speak the word in Asia. Next, the Spirit of Jesus won't permit them to go north into the region of Bithynia. This sends them on a detour south to the town of Troas on the coast of the Aegean Sea. While spending the night there, Paul has a vision. He received a third signpost. Now, as far as visions are concerned, it's, it's not very dramatic. I'm going to compare it to Peter's vision of uh, uh, squirming animals on a sheet coming down from heaven. Paul's vision was rather simple. A man of Macedonia pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. While two doors had been shut to the missionaries, it appears now a window has been opened to them, and the Spirit is directing them to go to Greece. Now, if I were Paul, I think I would have had a question or two when I woke up the next morning. If I'm going to hop on a boat and go into an unfamiliar and potentially unfriendly area, I want more specifics. Exactly what kind of help is needed? Who's going to meet us upon arrival? Where are we going to stay? And most importantly, what are we going to eat? Don't we need to form a committee? You know, map out a plan, raise some funds, take a vote before taking on such a drastic and potentially dangerous turn. Not Paul. Have vision, will travel. 
He has no strategic plan and no detailed itinerary. Ever since he met Jesus in that blinding line on the Damascus Road, he's been happy to fly by the seat of his pants, pulled along by the Holy Spirit in whatever direction the Spirit blows. Without delay, he and his companions immediately hop on a boat to cross the Aegean. Besides Paul and Silas and Timothy, it now appears that Luke has joined them as he starts telling the story now as one who is along with the ride on this Holy Spirit-guided tour adventure. I'm struck by the fact that Paul's companions go along for, for the ride so readily. After all, the vision didn't come to all of them. It, it only came to Paul. Yet instead of raising an eyebrow at Paul's vision, they trust Paul's spiritual leadership. Fully convinced, it says, that God had called them to proclaim the good news to the Macedonians. Departing from Troas now, they stayed overnight on the island of Samothrace, landing the next day in the city of Neapolis. This is the first time the feet of Christian missionaries have touched the continent of Europe. The, the Christian message has now reached a new continent. From that seaport town then, they head inland to Philippi, which is the chief uh, city of the region and very cosmopolitan in nature. Now Paul's typical pattern of evangelism upon arrival in a new area was to head to the local synagogue on the Sabbath. There he would find a ready-made foothold for the gospel, preaching to an already religiously inclined and educated group of people, convincing them that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah. Now, to have a synagogue in an area, there had to be a, a quorum of at least 10 Jewish males. Apparently, the Jewish population in Philippi did not reach that threshold because Paul and his companions don't head to a synagogue on the Sabbath, but down to the river. It's a common place for prayer for people to gather, especially if there is no house of worship in which to gather. There, along the creek bed, they find not the men's club, not the man of Macedonia who appeared to Paul in a vision, but a circle of women. Among them is a woman named Lydia. She was a dealer in purple cloth, so she was a businesswoman and apparently a very successful one since only the well-to-do were permitted to wear purple, and only they could afford it. We know Lydia, though not Jewish, is a seeker. We are told she was a worshiper of God, though she didn't know who this God was until Paul told her. We know she already believed in prayer because that is what prompted her to go to the river that day. I'm reminded of Howard Thurman's reflections about experiencing the presence of God at the river. He wrote, As a child, I was accustomed to spend many hours alone in my rowboat, fishing along the river where there was no sound save the lapping of the waves against the boat. There were times when it seemed as if the earth and the river and the sky and I were one beat of the same pulse. It was a time of watching and waiting 
for what I did not know, yet I always knew. There would come a moment when beyond the single pulse beat, there was a sense of presence, which seemed always to speak to me. My response to this presence always had the quality of personal communion. There was no voice. There was no image. There was no vision. There was God. The Holy Spirit was already wooing Lydia in that prevenient kind of way that we talk about in the Wesleyan tradition. God was already working in her heart as God is in each of us, opening them up to hear God's voice and to see God's vision that will take our lives in a completely different direction than our well-thought-out plans. Indeed, it is God who opened Lydia's heart for her to encounter the presence of God through Paul's words. She is so moved that she becomes a believer in Jesus Christ. And almost as a footnote, we are told that she is baptized along with her entire household so not only is Lydia a woman of means, she is also the head of her household, which was unusual at that time. What in the world is the Holy Spirit up to? All through these readings and the Acts of the Apostles, we see that it is not so much the Apostles that are acting to spread the Gospel, but the Holy Spirit crossing boundaries and, and breaking down barriers of race and religion, socioeconomics and gender. Now we have Lydia, a woman of influence and wealth, becoming a believer, the first convert on the continent of Europe who will become a leader in the church. God has given to Lydia this ability to perceive because she comes to worship. It wouldn't have happened if she hadn't come to worship. But she comes. And according to one commentator, because she comes because she is hungering for something more in life. Something more than the affluence she has achieved. She is hungering for more because that restless spirit, who is surely in us all before we ever know, has stirred up a holy longing in our soul. Every step of the way, the spirit prompts and calls and blesses her. And through her, witnesses to us. After being baptized, Lydia extends to this traveling band of missionaries she just met an invitation to come and stay at her home. Really, she insists upon it in such a way that they couldn't have refused. Lydia is generous in spirit, offering hospitality to these itinerant creatures she just met and allowing her home to become home base for their outreach into Europe. Paul and Lydia then were both open to the Spirit's leading. Paul going where the Spirit sent him to preach. Lydia, her heart opened in turn opened her home to those who administered to her. My husband's family once had a new pastor arrive at their church, and the church needed a way, you know, to welcome him and his family to the church. So my mother-in-law volunteered her home. She went to work 
cooking all day Saturday, and then most of the day Sunday. Steak, shrimp, fish, Filipino dishes, American dishes. It was a little smorgasbord. Well, soon the house was packed to the gills with fellow church members eager to welcome and get to know their new pastor and his wife. There was laughing and loud conversation and even singing. It turned out to be more than simply a reception. It turned into a real party. Well, as people left for that evening, they effused about, about the time they had had and about how good the food was. More than one person tried to give mom some money to help pay for the food, which she, of course, declined. Because hospitality, hospitality was her gift. Cooking, her way of showing love. She considered it a privilege to offer herself and her home in such a way to be of service to God. I know a few Lydia's here at Midway. I won't call them, embarrass them by calling their name, but you know who they are. They host us in their homes. They make food for us to enjoy. They nourish our bodies as well as our souls. My sister-in-law, Annie, is a very good cook. And she, she ought to know a little bit about food. After all, she just retired after 26 years as the manager at Publish. But anyway, she, she's a really good cook. And I was talking to her the other day as we were making arrangements for helping my parents as my mother is on undergoing cancer treatment. Well, Amy said that she was going to make them some meals and have my brother take them over to my parents' house. When I bemoan the fact that I'm not a cook and not very helpful, or not at all helpful in this regard, Amy said to me, that's okay. I don't preach. <laughs> I'll do what I do, and you do what you do. God calls each of us to fulfill different roles in the reach of the gospel. Paul's was to preach, and Lydia's was ministering out of her means and hosting fellow believers in her home. Her home became their home, a place of such comfort and security that later on, when God springs Paul and Silas from jail, it is to her home that they go to recover from their ordeal of being beaten and imprisoned. As Amanda mentioned, we, we lost a dear minister at the conference this week. Her name was Maria Harrell. Maria, Maria was a second career pastor after a 20-plus year career with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, God changed her plans, calling her to the ordained ministry. Some of you may remember Maria um, because I had her out to Midway in 2019 to speak to us about the children's home when she was on staff there. Maria was small in stature, but huge in heart. She had a bubbly personality and was full of the joy of her Lord. Well, she was serving as a pastor in charge of Connections in Metropolitan United Methodist Church. And in this role, she began to minister to former inmates upon their release. She even reportedly had them into her home to pray for them and to counsel them. Of course, her husband warned her 
against doing this. He was rightly concerned for her safety. But when he objected, Maria said, what am I to do? I feel God has called me to this work. God had opened her heart to the prisoner and given her a vision for ministry with them. Tragically, the work to which she devoted herself would lead to her physical demise at the hands of one she was trying to help and leave those who loved her by devastating. Some may think her foolish for following a vision that put her in such close contact with felons. I though can't help but think of the words of the Apostle Paul. The cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who believe, it is the power of God. Back in the 90s, uh, George Gallup Sr. conducted research in the Presbyterian Church regarding vision. He asked members whether or not they had ever had a vision from God. Surprisingly, half of these state Presbyterians reported having had a vision from God, and even a higher percentage of clergy. David Forney says this, Perhaps one reason the statistic is surprising is because we don't simply talk about visions from God. And maybe for good reasons. If we were to talk openly about God's involvement in our lives, we could not control a plan as we do in strategic planning. On the other hand, if we did share our visions from God, we might find ourselves with open hearts that readily receive the gospel that forever changes us, even to the point of providing hospitality to foreigners and those just freed from prison. Our visions from God may or may not be as vivid as the one Paul had. They may instead come to us as a simple nudging of the Spirit, or our heart being strangely warmed at an encounter with a stranger, or in the midst of worship, whether sitting beside a river or sitting in a pew of a sanctuary. Regardless of how the vision comes to us, when we respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit, our lives are changed forever. Our well-thought-out plans cease being the priority. Like Lydia discovered, it's no longer business as usual. And like Paul, it's no longer a matter of taking the path of least resistance or seeking safe harbor but, as he put it, dying daily. Five times Paul was whipped, three times beaten. He was stoned, and he was imprisoned. Tradition holds that for the faith he was, like his Lord, executed. And yet, despite all this, Paul had no regrets, writing, but I do not count my life of any value to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the good news of God's grace. That, my brothers and sisters, is the call of God to each of us. And that is what open-hearted Maria did. May she rest in peace and rise in glory.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ calls us to respond to the Word of God with our gifts, our tithes, and our very lives. As we give, Christ works within us to inspire our giving and our gifts and to point our heart to God and what God is doing here in this church and throughout the entire world. I want to invite you, you can give online at midwayunc.org or you can give at the offering plates which are located at the doors. Let's offer ourselves to God. Thank you. 
Y'all come on down. Yeah, y'all come on down. I almost forgot. It's my pleasure to introduce to you uh, the Littles. They aren't little, I can say. <laughs> so, uh, Rod and Henrietta and Brittany and Matt. And yes, they are related. And this is Owen. Hey, Owen. And Owen's going to be going to our preschool. And they've already gotten involved here in Bible study and Matt's helping with the AV team. I love people that get involved before they even join. What a, <laughs> this warms this So uh, they come this morning and transfer for their membership. And I simply ask one question. And that is, will you be loyal to the Midway United Methodist Church? And uphold it by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your what? Witness. Yes. We welcome you in Christian love, and we're so glad to have you officially a part of Midway. I know you'll want an opportunity to greet them, so if you would, don't mind staying up here so they can come, come by. Now, <laughs> may God go before you to guide you. May God behind you to direct you. May God beside you to befriend you. May God rest above you to protect you. May God rest below you to uphold you. And may God dwell within you to comfort you now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs> listening to the Meeting Midway podcast from Midway United Methodist Church. The doors to our community are open to all, and we invite guests to join us at our services on Sunday. We have a traditional worship service at 8.30 a.m. in our historic chapel, an acoustic worship service at 9.45 a.m. in our historic chapel, and a contemporary service at 11 a.m. in our modern sanctuary. For more information, check us out online at midwayumc.org. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon.